0: Hey, take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going we're to camp there for just a moment, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I want you to know that you have picked a great day to be in God's house. We are starting a new series entitled Soul Train. We're going to talk about those matters of the soul, right? And, and the energy that God makes available to us. Peter, Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, As each one has received a gift... I love that. I love the reality of that statement. As each one has received a gift. Scripture tells us this, that the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us this, that we're supposed to follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's the challenge that God gives us in His Word. That's a challenge that God gives you today to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. There's a there's a there's a a segment of the church that for some reason is hesitant towards spiritual gifts. It's interesting to me. Let me share with you just a little bit of information that might be an encouragement to you. I want you to know that you're in a church today that it is described as a Pentecostal church. It's a church that believes that everything that is written in this book that is available it's available to us today. And I want you to know that. You are not alone. If you are a believer that everything that is written in the Bible, that it's available to you today, you are not alone. In fact, let me share this with you. Worldwide, there are 678 million Pentecostals today. By, they, they, they tell us this, missiologists tell us this, that by the year 2050, Pentecostals will number over one billion in the world. That's pretty amazing considering this movement started in about 1904, 1906. Right? And so, in just over a century and a half, we go from a handful of people to over a billion people who understand that the dynamic of God is available to us in all of these gifts, right? And all of these divine enablements that God makes them available to us today. In fact, I will share this with you. The Pentecostal church is far and away the fastest growing aspect of the church today, it is growing faster than any other religion by a wide margin, and the church is growing faster today than it ever has in history. Listen, the church is far from dead. And what God has called us to be, it is far from over. Okay? God is alive and well. The moving of the Holy Spirit is still happening today, and God is still energizing His people with the dynamic. And God wants us to walk in that. He wants us to live in that. He He doesn't want us to have a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Have you ever had one of those? I, um, not too long ago, I was was traveling and uh, got into, got into Podgorica, Montenegro, the capital of Montenegro, got in there very late. And uh, Got to the hotel and went and uh, enjoyed uh, a dinner at the, in, in the hotel restaurant because I didn't know where anything else was, uh, and it was, it was incredible. You know what else was incredible? The price tag, right? Uh, seriously, you, you eat in a hotel restaurant and you go, $24 for a cheeseburger? Is this some sort of magical cheeseburger? You know, are there are there are there golden nuggets on the top of that that bun? Those aren't sesame seeds, are they? they, they I mean, that's got to be you know some sort of wonderful anyway. I uh, I enjoyed the meal, but I said, man, my budget will not permit this. I this is going to have to be a little bit. Uh, I'm going to have to scale back a little bit. And I would I was there for five days, and each day I would walk by this restaurant and I would go, man, that food's incredible. Yeah, but. So was the price tag. Finally, it was time to check out, and as I went to check out, I, they, they gave me the, the dossier. They gave me my, my, my bill, and I said, "I'm sorry." I had a when the first night that I checked in, uh, I said I, I had a, a meal charge on my that 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 I charged in my room, and they said, "Oh, Mr. Garvin, perhaps you don't understand that with the with the class of room that they booked you in, all of your meals at the hotel were complimentary." Really? Wow. (laughs) Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Let me share one from history that's a bit more dramatic. Marco Polo, right? You guys know Marco Polo, okay? Not just for the, the latest Geico commercial, right? Which is truly funny. All right, Marco Polo standing in the pool. I am Marco Polo. Um, but Marco Polo, 1200s, Marco Polo was this famous uh, traveler. And, uh, and he actually picked it up. His father, he traveled with his father and with his uncle at a very young age. And they actually went to, they, they, they went to China. And at a very young age, when Marco Polo was with his his father and his uncle in China, they actually had the opportunity to meet with Kublai Khan, who Kublai Khan was very powerful even at that time, shortly after Marco Polo and his uncle and father visited, Kublai Khan became the first real emperor of China, okay, this vast empire, and when, when, when Marco Polo and his father and uncle were meeting with Kublai Khan, one of the things that Kublai Khan talked about was how fascinated he was by Christianity. He said, this is an amazing thing. He said, I, I believe this. I believe that my people need to have an understanding of Christianity. And he said, would you do this? Would you bring at least 100 wise men that can go all over this land and share the reality of this Jesus that you talk about? And, and, and cause, I, I would like my people, I would like my, my empire to be a Christian empire. Marco Polo, his uncle and father, uh, they went back home to Italy. About three years later, they made their way back to China, and here's what they took. Two friars. Two. Why? Because that was all that the church perceived that they could spare. What would our world look like? How different would our world be today? Had Kublai Khan's request for hundred wise men to travel the length and breadth of China and share the reality of who Jesus Christ is? Missed opportunity, missed moments. Let me tell you one that's a, a bit more personal to me. When I was serving as the assistant pastor, executive pastor at a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 1997, we, uh, we, were, we were in between um, having, uh, having youth pastors, and, um, and so one youth pastor had gone, and we, we were searching for a new youth pastor, and it was taking some time. And, and I had spent nine years in youth ministry, and so our, our lead pastor asked me if I would be willing to do double duty, serve as both the uh, executive pastor and cover youth ministry. And I said, pastor, happy to do it. And uh, we, had a, we had a ministry guest, uh, that we invited because he was going to be the, the guest speaker for, for the, the annual youth convention, this state youth convention, uh, a few days later. And I, I thought, you know, I'd love to have my kids have a kind of a head start on what's, what God wants to do at youth convention by inviting uh, this gentleman to be our, our guest. And, and we had an incredible Wednesday night youth service. And we talked about, we talked about having him come back. This was in, 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 in late October. We talked about having him come back in January and doing a youth, uh, a series of a special meetings, a youth revival. About, about two or three weeks before he was to arrive, I, I said to our lead pastor, I said, listen, our teens are going to come out because they've connected with this guy, and, um, and so I know that we'll get a great response from the youth, but I really feel like we should open it up to the entire church. The pastor said, well, Ed, if you think, if you think we should, um, let's go ahead and do it. Now, let me offer this to you, that this was a church that was, um, this was a church that in many respects was stuck in its former glory. It it had been a great church, uh, it was it was starting to get a little, just a little bit stagnant. Um, worship was not very engaging. It was a it was a tough church, and it was a church that it had some conflict. Uh, they they had some church fights. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes church people fight, and uh, and they'd had some church fights. And uh, and so in fact, when they uh, when when they when they started to, to interview us, when they started to recruit uh, Jody and I to come and join the team there, uh, they told us that the conflict was over. They lied. Oh, did they lie. And, uh, and so, so, we got into the church. In fact, when we went to visit, Jody was pregnant with Lauren, and uh, she was about, uh, about seven months pregnant with Lauren. We made uh, about the hour and a half trip from where we were living in, in the Chicagoland area up to Milwaukee. And I went and visited this church. They had three Sunday morning services, and we sat through all three Sunday morning services, and no one talked to us. No, hey, how are you? God bless you. Great to have you here. Right? We went out to lunch with a couple of the, the, the members of the staff afterwards, and then we made the drive back from, um, from Milwaukee back to the Chicagoland area. And as we were driving back, Jody said this. She goes, Ed, I think that's the most unfriendly church I've ever been in in my life. And I said, I think you're right. And she said, we're going there, aren't we? And I said, I think we are. And, uh, and we, we knew this. We knew that, that, that God had a reason in that. And, and let me just share this with you, that the first year and a half was just, it was hard. It was just tough sledding. Um, But we, anyway, I I, I stepped into this role of of helping out with youth ministry. We brought this guy in and decided that we were going to have a um, a, not just a a, a youth uh, revival, but we were going to open it up to the entire church. And so, this ministry guest came. Uh, In fact, he's scheduled to be with us in September. But um, but he, this ministry guest came, and um, the first service was just typical. It was just the chosen frozen. And, uh, and i 'm telling you, I, I, it would have taken seriously an ice pick for God to move, um, but in the, in the middle of the second service, something just began to break and and, um, and people just started to come to the altar. In fact, the altars were packed, and, and God was moving in such a way that, that when the second service was to come to an end, there was still ministry happening around the, the platform area around the altar and Uh, And as people started showing up for the third service, we just had to say, hey, you know what? God's doing something. Just get in the middle of it. And uh, uh, a a series of of special meetings that was supposed to last three days lasted about six months. We saw 1,400 first-time decisions for Christ. We baptized over 1,100 people. The, the things that we saw God do, I, 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 miraculous, not, hey, somebody's claiming to be healed, but you really can't tell for sure that they're healed. I mean, dr- dramatic, genuine healings where you could see physical ma- manifestations of healings, people being delivered from controlling addictions, that, that I mean, just instantly being healed from controlling addictions, just incredible what God was doing. And, and again, people were accepting Christ as their Savior right and left. It is it forever changed the way that I look at God and the way that I look at the power of God. That was 1997. It's 2017. My, My daughter was a toddler when that happened. My son had yet to be born. I want you to hear my heart. I refuse to allow a generation to miss experiencing the power of God. Let me say that again. I refuse to allow a generation miss seeing the power of God. Now, there are people that have been around this church for a long time, and you can tell stories of some of the great things that God has done in Calvary's past. You can talk about Rock House and the several thousand teens that came through this place. We could talk about the Jesus festivals and tens of thousands of people who heard the good news. We can talk about uh, times where God was moving in a profound way in some of the prophetic statements that had been spoken over this church. You ready for this? You might want to write this down. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. And I'm not so concerned about what God did in the past, whether it be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or Orlando, Florida. But here's what I do know. I know that we have our children, we have our grandchildren, some of you even great-grandchildren, that absolutely must experience the power and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. They must. And isn't it interesting that when we read through Scripture, it tells us this, Follow the way of love. This is 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, a couple chapters earlier, starts this way. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that most of the body of Christ as it relates to spiritual gifts, if we were to be honest, pretty ignorant. And, and recognize this, friend, Th- this book, okay, it is the divinely inspired Word of God. There has never been anything that has been uh, more scrutinized and yet more validated than this book. There has never been one archaeological find that has ever contradicted what is found in Scripture. It is historically proven. It is empirically proven. It's a book that stands. And you can trust what the Word of God says. And here's what it says. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And this issue of spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are to be a regular part of what God is doing in our life. And, and, and in fact, when you read what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and what God, by the sovereignty of His Holy Spirit, gives to us through the Word today, when, when you read this, it's actually being written to a body, to a, to a group, not, not so much because they're not embracing spiritual gifts, but it's being written because they are embracing them a little bit too enthusiastically, and they're not doing it with any structure. And so what Paul does is he's not trying to encourage people to get engaged in spiritual gifts. He's saying, let's talk about a basic framework to where what you do in in utilizing these spiritual gifts, that you do it in in, in somewhat of an orderly fashion to where it doesn't freak people out. I don't know how it is that the church and even a segment of the Pentecostal church has gotten from, look, we just need to hem this in a little bit, To being shocked and amazed when something happens as it relates to spiritual gifts in our midst. Friends, I want you to know this. When a person sitting next to you, when they speak in a language that you don't understand, that's not weird. Okay? It's documented. And and you might be here today, and you don't come, uh, your church background, your church history is not a church that embraces it. And I'm not here to pick on your church, but here's what I am here to do. I'm here to challenge you to look at the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. Okay, And understand this, that even though that might not be your experience, 678 million people in, 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 a, around the world today are embracing Pentecost in a profound way. And what the Holy Spirit is doing around the world is incredible. 73% of the believers in Brazil are Pentecostal believers. Understand this, in Assembly of God churches today, the nation of Cuba is 11.39 million people. In the nation of Cuba today, over 1 million people will be in an Assembly of God church. Listen, what God is doing, it really is unprecedented. The only place we're not seeing this is Western Europe and North America, and here's the reason why. I'm convinced in a large fashion the reason why is because the church is too prim and too proper, and we want things to be such in control that we, what we do is we tend to resist the Holy Spirit. That can't be. See, there's a spiritual gifting within you, within each and every one of us that are here. And the spiritual gifting is within you, and, and, and the, the Holy Spirit desires to move in you and through you. Oftentimes, we resist the Holy Spirit, and we don't even realize we're doing it. We've become so enculturized to keep the Holy Spirit in a box. That's the reason why I want to take this six-week journey to talk about and demystify the mystical Because we have to be a church. Listen, we have to be a church. Our children, our grandchildren, our city needs to experience the power of God in a dynamic way. Here's my challenge to you, church. And I'm always encouraged when you clap. I always love to hear the occasional amen. Will we live it? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to use you in spiritual gifting? Because to each one is given spiritual gifts. So 1st Peter 4 tells us. So 1st Corinthians 12 through 14 explains to us. It all starts with recognizing the gifts that God has given. God does it. He gives these gifts. He gives us relationship gifts. He gives us resource gifts, and He gives us reaching gifts. In fact, Andy Stanley wrote this statement in his book, Visionary. He said this, we don't need to pray for more miracles. We just need to be more sensitive to the opportunities that God brings our way. See, pe- people are praying for a greater move of God. When really what we should be doing is saying, okay, God, do whatever you want to do in me and through me. Do whatever you want to do in me and through me. See, God's place within you the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. It's biblical. God has placed within you the gift of prophecy. It's absolutely biblical. There are people in this place today that God has given you the ability to lay hands on people, to pray over them, and the sick will recover. You have to walk in that gifting. God's given some of you the gift of administration, the gift gift of hospitality. Listen, one of those things, and I might as well go there because people say it's all that the church cares about. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there are some of you that God has given you the ability to produce Right? To be effective in business. And listen, I need you to fully exercise your spiritual gift because I've already designated, I've already spent your tithe dollars. Come on. See, we have a world that needs to be reached. We live, I shared this, I shared this statistic a few weeks ago. That you are in the number seven most unchurched city in America, the number four most de churched city in America. And the world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. And we're asleep in the light because of our resistance to the issue of spiritual gifts. And we've got to recognize, it all starts with recognizing the gifts that have been given. And what does it say in 1 Corinthians 12.1? I do not want you to be ignorant regarding spiritual gifts. And one of the reasons why we're hesitant is because we just don't understand them, right? And and so they kind of freak us out, especially this whole tongues and interpretation of tongues business. That that really freaks people out. You know, they they think, okay, so does God like take over my body and all of a sudden these uncontrollable things come out of my mouth? Listen. What God gives are these divine enablements, tools, resources for you to use. That you always, you never give up free will. You never give up control. And another reason why people tend to struggle with this issue of spiritual gifts is, is because of this. And, and I want you to this. Uh, take your Bibles, if you haven't already done so. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. And here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Okay? So, here's where, here's where it… Here's where it starts. Okay, it starts with recognizing the fact that spiritual gifts are there and spiritual gifts are for today. Make no mistake. Listen to me. Spiritual gifts are in Scripture and spiritual gifts are for today. Okay, I, I don't have time this morning to unpack the, 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 all of the all of the evidence that spiritual gifts are for today. Uh, I will tell you, you cannot support a cessationist view. You cannot support it biblically. You also cannot support it historically. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that 678 million people cannot be wrong. But I start with this understanding of the Word, that God gives gifts. And listen, God didn't just give gifts to the spiritually elite. God didn't just give gifts to the spiritually mature, right? There were folks that at the moment that they accepted Christ as their Savior, they operated in expressive spiritual gifts. It's what it is. It's a gifting. The Bible says we need to recognize it, but it also says this, that we need to reject the counterfeits. It's so easy to be led astray by the the counterfeits and and the goofiness. It's also easy, when when we see the excesses, when we see the excesses, it's really easy to go, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. And I've mentioned this before, I'm going to mention it again. One One of the great things about being in the church that you're in, you are in a very safe place understand this, as you walk in your spiritual gifting, we're here to coach you. We're here to help you. Uh, when, when, when When people get sideways to spiritual gifting and they drift into goofiness, okay, we're also, we're here to coach you, right, and help you. and I, I, I don't know where you land on this, but let me tell you where I land. I'd rather have somebody think I'm a little goofy. I, I'd rather get off a little bit in, in embracing um, and, and, and developing divine enablements that God makes available to me than, than out of fear sit back and go, yeah, I'm not doing any of that. Part of that is, I know where faith comes from and I know where fear comes from. And I I don't think fear should have any part of the character of the church. I don't think that fear should have any part of the character of the believer. It's so easy to be led astray by the counterfeits. Paul tells the church at Corinth and he And he tells us, you can't get caught up in that. But he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. It says in Romans that we have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. And, And it's important that we... It's important that we recognize that God is a giver of spiritual gifts, that we not get caught up in the, in the counterfeit junk, um, and that we realize in these variety of gifts that, that every gift fits. So when, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the things that was happening was this. Um, when they got together, when the church got together, uh, it was kind of a spiritual free-for-all, right? Um, and, and all these different people were getting up, and they, they, were, they were all speaking in tongues, and, and, um, and a few people would be sharing prophecies, and, and it, was, uh, it was chaos. And so, uh, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, um, he's, he's, he's responding to uh, issues that they're dealing, and he's also responding to questions that they have right? And so when he says this, now about spiritual gifts, most theologians believe that what Paul was doing is is Paul was responding to questions that they had regarding the issue of spiritual gifts. And so he says, okay, let me me lay this out for you. And so when he explains it, he says, listen, all these spiritual gifts, they're good, they're valid, they they are absolutely for you. But when you're operating in them, it's important that you do it in a in a fashion that doesn't confuse people, right? There should be structure to it. So that's the reason why I will tell you this. At Calvary, here's what we're not going to have, okay? You're not going to come in next Sunday and there's a free-for-all and somebody's shouting something that they believe to be prophecy over here and somebody's shouting something they believe to be prophecy over here, and, right? Uh, I mean, It's just not the way that the church works. There, there's a way to do this. There's a way to operate in spiritual gifting that is, that is done orderly and it's done in fashion. And here's what you'll find when you're here. You'll find this from time to time. Somebody will come up to to, to me or or they'll they'll get somebody's attention if if I'm not at a place where they can speak to me. And they'll say this, I believe that God has given me a word. Are you ready for this? I'm not the only person that God can use in this church to speak to you. By the way, that, that shouldn't come as a, a great surprise to you. And if you're here today and, and maybe this is your first time in this type of a church, maybe you're uh, from a much more traditional church, l- let, me, let me help you a little bit, okay? What I just shared with you is not an original thought with Ed Garvin. In fact, one of the guys that had this thought in a very profound fashion and made, it, m- made a declaration for the known world at that time to hear about it was this guy by the name of Martin Luther, right? In 1517... We're coming up on the 500th the anniversary of when Martin Luther, he tacked his thesis on the door of the castle church at Wittenberg. And he said, listen, the, 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 the church has got to get back to being the body of Christ that it's called to be. He said, it, it, it can't be this, this, this liturgical mess God wants to have a unique personal relationship with every individual. This is the reason why Martin Luther took it upon himself to translate the Bible into a common language of the day. Right? So he took the Bible and translated it from Latin into German. And, And then he said this He said, and just to where you know, God spoke and people wrote it down. God is still speaking. God's still speaking through men and women today. In fact, God wants to speak through you. Right? So, so tradition of tradition, I don't know in the Protestant faith if you can get more tradition than Martin Luther. Martin Luther himself said this, that God is still in the business of speaking, and he's still in the business of speaking to you, and he's still in the business of speaking through you. But here's what's supposed to happen. It's supposed to be done in an orderly fashion, right? Now to each one, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another uh, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines now here is what I know. If God was giving these gifts to the to, to the church at Corinth, and they're clearly articulated in the Word of God that these are spiritual gifts given to God, given by God, divine enablements that come that flow out of a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that we know that God does not change, here's what this tells me. It tells me that in a healthy church today, that these same spiritual gifts will be in operation. So here's my challenge to you today. How open are you, not the church, how open are you to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you through biblically described, biblically authorized spiritual gifts? And and here's here's what I love about it is is God has this wonderful way of making spiritual gifts be this dynamic in our life. And it, it, it's not it's not all the freaky weird stuff, it's not the, the crazy hydromatics that sometimes you can see in, in some church services or if you turn on certain Christian television channels. Some of you today, God wants to use you in the prophetic. And it's as simple as this. It's as simple as walking up to a person and saying, I I want you to know this. I want you to know that that God is with you this year at Killarney. And he he wants you to know that this is going to be a great season. See, there's nothing weird or mystical or magical about that. But... When, 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 I, when I feel like I am supposed to tell you something that, that's the gift of prophecy I don't know if you guys ever have this as, as, as teachers Okay, I, can I say something? It happens to me all the time and, and maybe because I'm not all that bright but, um, but I find this happens to me regularly that when I'm speaking I will say something that I go wow that's, that, that's a powerful truth and if you were to look at my notes it's nowhere in my notes I actually, I watch myself on Good Life 45 and I, I, I'm sometimes amazed at the things that I say. Not because I'm any good, uh, but God consistently will give these, these words of wisdom, right? Or these words of knowledge. Have you ever been talking to somebody um, and, and, and you go, listen, you are going through one of the most difficult times of your life. Right? And you'll say that to them and you don't know why you're saying it to them but they'll look at you and they'll go, I am. Okay? Here's what it is. That's a word of knowledge, okay? God has given you knowledge that you wouldn't in the natural that you wouldn't know. Okay? That's not freaky weird. It's just, you know what? It's an opportunity to create these wonderful relationship connects. This is what God does. It talks about it talks about this spiritual gifting of faith, of, of, of energized faith. The ability to believe God for the impossible. It's a great spiritual gift to have. So, wouldn't it make sense that God would still speak today? Okay. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. You know what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians? He says this, that the public expression of tongues... And, and, and when you're in a Pentecostal environment, you'll hear this unknown language stuff. You'll hear it in two variations. One, you'll hear it in somebody's prayer and in and, and worship. And that's just a, that's a language of the Spirit that naturally flows. And the Bible makes it very clear that that's available to you as a believer. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a divine enablement, enablement that you absolutely should walk in. And then in the public in, in, in setting, there's this thing of tongue and interpretation of tongues. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that it's a sign for the unbelievers. And oftentimes in churches, we won't do it because we're afraid it will freak the unbeliever out. But the reality is when they see it, it might be something different for them and unusual for them, but at the very least, it's going to intrigue them. And and what I love is this, is God will confirm, even in the life of an unbeliever, that this is something that he's doing. If I could challenge you on two scriptures today, it would be this. It would be 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 1 Corinthians 14, 1. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. I do not want you to be ignorant as it relates to spiritual gifts. Then, then comes the explanation of all 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13. And then 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. If you're just walking in the grace of God and the mercy of God, and you're not walking in the divine empowerment of God, you're living a life of profound missed opportunity. Every day, (laughs) you walk by the restaurant going, love that, but can't afford it. And God says this, do you not understand in the invitation that I've given you to to, to be a part of the divine life in Christ Jesus that all of these resources, all of these energies, all of these divine enablements come with it. There is no one, listen very carefully, I'm about to tell you, There is no one who God rejects as it relates to spiritual gifts. There's no biblical precedent for that. And here's here's an example that we have. When, When we're first introduced to the Holy Spirit, in, 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 in Acts, right? Jesus, Jesus, has, Jesus has paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross. He's, he's risen from the dead on the third day and now he's hanging out with his followers. By the way, over 500 people see a resurrected Jesus, okay? You want to you you talk about proof that something historically happened? Over 500 eyewitnesses. But it tells us this in 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 Acts chapter one. It says, on one occasion, as Jesus is there with his his closest followers, they begin to ask, Are you at this time going to restore Israel? And he goes, He goes, You know what? You're worried about things you don't need to worry about. Okay? But here's what I do want you to know. That I want you to go back to the room that we met in regularly. And I want you to wait for the promise that I've talked to you about. I've talked to you a lot about this. This this thing, the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and I want you to wait for that. Right? So Jesus said, listen, this is so important, I don't want you to go and engage in anything else until you experience this. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it tells us this in Acts chapter 2 that there's 120 people in this room. And when the Holy Spirit descended, they all, All they all received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this divine enablement, and began to to engage in spiritual gifts. We, We then we follow the historical track of the growth of the church. And you know what we find? Everywhere, this divine enablement. Deeply religious people experience divine enablement. People who would be given the title of apostle, divine enablement. Jewish folks, divine enablement. Gentiles, divine enablement. Individuals who openly persecuted those who embraced the plan of Jesus. Jesus gets their attention. They shift their understanding. Divine enablement. It has been evidenced this issue of divine enablement, gifts of the Spirit has been been evidenced all throughout church history. You can go from Origen to Constantine, uh, to Erasmus, to, to Zwingli, to Luther, uh, all the way through the, the, the Quakers, and then in nineteen oh four, there's this explosion. Started a little warehouse, 312 Azusa Street. Guy by the name of William Seymour. What was significant about William Seymour is this if you understand what was happening in in the 1900s, if you understand how polarized our nation was on on the issue of race, much more than even what we face today. And William Seymour, an African American man, God uses to birth the modern-day outpouring of Pentecost. And in this beat-up two-story warehouse in a not-very-great part of Los Angeles, people are coming by the hundreds and by the thousands, white, black, Americans, foreigners, rich, poor. And they're experiencing this dynamic power of God. that I'm convinced was the beginning of what the Bible talks about in prophecy as the last great move of God before He calls His children home. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that what God's Word talks about in that last great outpouring of the Holy Spirit before He calls His people home, I believe that's quickly coming to its zenith. What is What is happening in Australia is amazing. The revival that's sweeping across China, Marco Polo missed it, but God has not left China out. Our fellowship alone has given over five million Bibles to Christian leaders in China. The church in Iran, Pastor Jeff could tell you, the church in Iran is exploding today. You're not going to hear about it on MSNBC. But I'm telling you, I've seen it with my own eyes in Bulgaria. I get the reports on a regular basis of what's happening in our Bible college in Cuba, and I'm excited about what's happening in the world. But I selfishly, I want it for my children. I want it for my children. And then the same God that's causing revival to sweep across South Korea, that same God exists in Orlando, Florida. That same God that's seeing people come to Christ by the hundreds of thousands across China, that that same God lives in Orange County. That same God that is seeing the church in Cuba in 12 years, quadruple in size, same God has his hand on Calvary. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. Our children need to experience a move of God Our city needs to experience the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace, and the power of God. And this is a place where God has done it before. And now is the time for God to do it again. But listen to me I can't make it happen. The pastoral team can't make it happen. Here's what it takes. It takes the body of Christ saying, here I am, use me. So, let me give you a quick rebuke. For those of you who regularly reminisce about the way Calvary used to be, but you are not regularly at this altar crying out for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's time to make a change. For those of you, when you're with your Christian friends, you you talk longingly about seeing God move in a dramatic way in this season. But you show up five minutes late to church on Sunday, and when you come in, you're focused on the level of the sound of the music or the songs that are being sung or who's sitting in your seat. Rather than saying, God, here I am, I am an open vessel. You can use me in spiritual gifting in whatever fashion you want to use me today, it's time to make a change. For those of us who maybe sometimes wonder, does God move in that fashion anymore it's, it's time It's time to say, God, if a revival fire only burns in me, let it burn." To those that watch us on Facebook Live or via live stream or tune in each week to Good Life 45 and and you're enjoying watching us from a a distance, here's my challenge to you. You need to get on your bicycle. You need to call Uber. You need to get in your car because God's going to do something in our city. God's going to do something in this church that is going to shake the culture because I'm convinced that God answers prayer and my passionate prayer is this, God, do not let this generation miss out on the power of God.